It's time for the What in the Podcast. On tonight's show, we have David and Karen Van Marm, who are the organizers for the Upstate Spirit Conference in Abbeville, South Carolina. Along with them, they're going to have we're going to have one of their guest speakers with us, Marjorie Linnell, author of the Apparitions of Abbeville. Of one of her three books. Of one of her three books, yes. But tonight we're going to focus on the conference, her books, and just have a really organic conversation. Organic is a good word, yes. <laughs> Welcome to episode 86 of... What in the... Podcast. Welcome to the What in the Podcast with your hosts, Kent Whittington and Adriana Mito and Tracy Lynn Hernandez. Hello, and as I always say, welcome to What in the Podcast. Hello. Hello, Tracy. Hello. Hello, Adri. <laughs> How are we doing tonight? Separate and mobile and ow. That's okay. Okay. How's an additive? Ow. I was a double additive, but that's okay. We've had, you know, we've had rain and rain affects us in, you know, in icky ways because because we're all, we're all old folks and (laughs) that much closer to death, right? (laughs) One more day than the day before. I had a migraine yesterday. I have an out a day, you know, the normal, the normal, the new normal. We might talk about the paranormal, but somebody will actually experience it. (laughs) <laughs> and be a part of it I've experienced it yeah but you're not a part of it yet true I'm not a part of it I'm not I'm not the, the reason that, for the experience yes yeah, so you, no. you don't have yeah. ghost hunters hunting you yet so it's all good <laughs> give me time I'm sure I'll find a way to do it <laughs> well any any uh, uh, housekeeping we have to do before we get started who's messing with Oh, sorry. I can't think of anything that's sorry, that's folks. Housing. Sorry for the dead silence we've got. As as you all know by now, we, we have, have a menagerie, and mena- they're they're messing with things. Someone's into something, and we can't figure it out. But that, we'll, sorry, guys, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out eventually. Nobody's died yet, so that's the important thing. <laughs> and we haven't killed anybody yet, so it's yep. all good. <laughs> so tonight's uh, tonight's episode, we have three interviews and once in one. All in one. We have For three interviewees. Three interviewees. Yes, thank you. There we go. We have For one interview. Uh huh. <laughs> so we have David and Karen Van Marm. Uh, they're a couple out of Chesney, South Carolina. Um, Karen has been a sensitive since the uh-huh. age of two that she can recall when she saw the spirit of a child. Um. And, and she says since she was one, her, her parents say she's always talking to somebody in her crib in her bedroom. Um, David, not as sensitive. He has a, an olfactory sense. He can smell things that aren't there. And I told him that counts. 
Each is raising her hand. It's the same thing. I can I can sometimes <clears throat> if we're certain places, I can smell certain scents no one else can smell. Mm -hmm. And and mm -hmm. people look at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, no, I smell such and such. Yep. But, yep. but there's nothing there. I'm just like, no. I'm like, no, it's there. Yep. And through part of the interview, even Tracy talked about the stuff she smells. Yeah. Because uh David had talked about a location Tracy had been to, and she said she smelled the same thing he did. Yep, um, yep, yep. And then our third interviewee. <clears throat> I want her me. books. Her name is Margie Linnell. I want her books. And she is the author of two books. Three books. Uh, well, three books if you count the children's book, it's, yes. She it's wrote still it. Counts. It's she wrote her it, yes. Book. <laughs> um, her, her latest release is called The Operations of Abbeville. And that's kind of our focus tonight because the Van Marms, uh, Marjorie, Linnell, they're all going to be part of something called the Upstate Spirit Conference that's taking place in Abbeville, South Carolina. And the whole reason that we have them on tonight is they can talk about that, maybe tell us a couple ghost stories or two, you know, find out what Abbeville is all about, and yep, hopefully yep, yep. get some people interested in it. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into that. And here we go. We're here tonight with some special guests on the podcast. We are here with Karen and David Van Marm. Say hello, you two. Hello. <laughs> there we go. And we have Marjorie Linnell. Marjorie is an hello. author. I'm sorry. She said hello. Okay, I'm sorry. I spoke out of turn. <laughs> Marjorie here is an author. Um, her 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 number her bestseller right now is Apparitions of Abbeville. Is that correct? Awesome. Okay. And what is that all about? Well, The Apparitions of Abbeville is the second book in a series of eight. Uh, the series is entitled The South Carolina, the History and Mystery of the South Carolina Lakeland. Um, and I went around Abbeville, did some research, and talked to some people. And it is a compilation of uh, stories that people have shared with me or either personal experiences. And um, Abbeville is, is a very historical place. There's the birthplace and the deathbed of the Confederacy. So there's a lot of stories there. Okay, awesome. And uh, David and Karen, you guys are you guys have a, a big deal going on too. It's the Upstate Spirit Conference. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. What's that all about? October October seventh and 9th of twenty twenty two. We're going to have a, a group of speakers. We're going to have vendors. We're going to have overnight investigations. We're going to have a gallery reading by uh, famed uh, psychic Rick Hayes. Um, we're going to have... Uh, Arcane Carolinas is also going to record a podcast, and uh, they're going to be interviewing attendees there. They're also going to have a live EVP session during uh, their hour there. That's awesome. It is. You know, it's, it's been a small event. We don't want a, a great big event. We, that's one reason we picked Abbeville. We fell in love with it when we went to visit there after watching a, a video on YouTube on uh, Belmont Inn that was taken by two women who stayed in room 10 and their experiences there. And Karen and I said, well, that would be a good place to go down there. And, uh, and, and uh, check it out, and because we 
always felt there was a need for a, a conference here in the upstate of South Carolina. So we fell in love with Abbeville and the history and every Karen calls it the uh, paranormal Mayberry RFD. <laughs> and uh, it seems like every building has a story. That's and, awesome. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, we're going to have uh, no, probably no more than 80 people. We want it to be more like a workshop. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I was at a, a conference back in 2008. It was WISP 2008, and it was held in Bettensport, Iowa, at the Mason House Inn. And uh, it was a small event. And I thought that was the best conference I ever had been to because you got to really meet with the speakers and the different people there and exchange ideas and talk to them uh, about different details and that, that you don't get at a big, really so many of these things nowadays are conventions, not as much as conferences. So you're just kind of a number. And they have thousands of attendees who kind of get lost in the shuffle. Oh, yeah. The sure numbers would make it difficult by any means. Definitely. So why Abbeville? Well, we both fell in love with the town. We saw the video. We went down to Abbeville, and we instantly fell in love with the town. It's very charming. The people are friendly. We fell in love with the Belmont Inn. Yes, the Belmont Inn was it's a It's a perfect, perfect area to have a small conference. We would like to, uh, through the years, uh, hit um, do the Belmont Inn again, maybe next year, every year, but also maybe look at other uh, cities around South Carolina, maybe having a, a roaming uh, convention, too. Like Newberry or Georgetown, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Abbeville, we just, part of it too was uh, why we picked Abbeville was because we bought Marge's book and <laughs> we read the stories there and thought, well, there's plenty of places in town that we could do overnight investigations at. And uh, I want to also mention we're having a meet and greet dinner uh, and Marjorie and Lanell is giving a presentation that's going to be Friday night. Uh, starting at uh, 6 for the dinner, and then 7, she's going to give a presentation. And she's going to talk about uh, Abbeville, the area, and also about the Belmont. Okay, can but, uh, we... Uh, Mark, you can tell you more about some of the history of the Belmont and the hauntings there. I was just going to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Margie, can you tell us a little bit about the Belmont? Absolutely. Um it, the construction started on the Belmont in 1902, and it was finished in 1903. However, the original name of the Belmont was the Eureka Hotel. Now, there were traveling troops back then in what we call the good old days, or simple life. Um, they had, to, when the railroads or horse and buggy were your modes of transportation, and they would have traveling acting troops that would leave New York to come to Atlanta to perform. Well, guess what? It's almost smack dab in the middle between the two, uh, between New York and Atlanta. You get it in Abbeville. Mm -hmm. So, Abbeville is also the home of the Abbeville Opera House, which is the state theater for South Carolina. And the traveling troops would come down. They would stay at the Belmont. And what is now um, J.P. 
bar under uh, underneath the Belmont on ground level. Uh, it's actually uh, a little lower than ground level, uh, but it used to be known as Tinker's Alley, and they would have salesmen come from all over everywhere. And when the travelers would come through, um, they had Tinker's Alley where they could buy goods and things like that. But uh, there was an actress that came through on a traveling tour one time, a traveling troupe, and they were going to perform at the Abbeville Opera House, a play, and she fell very ill. She could not perform, so her understudy had to go on stage. But she did feel okay enough to go over to the Opera House from the Belmont, which are kind of side-by-side side in front of each other. And she watched the performance. After the performance, she gave a standing ovation. After that, she went back to the Belmont and passed away. So, one of the most famous ghost stories in Abbeville is that of the ghost of that actress over in the Abbeville Opera House. They even have a chair up on the balcony um, that no one is allowed to sit in, and there's a little light that they turn on. And people on stage, and actors and actresses, when they do the curtain call, they've actually seen that apparition with her standing and giving a standing ovation. And that, her spirit is said to reside there in the Abbeville Opera House. And uh, if you turn the little light off, she doesn't like that. It's very active in there. So. so that's a short version of the story of the ghost there at, at the Opera House and how the uh, Belmont <coughs> came about. And during the 70s, um, between the 70s and 90s, the Belmont fell in disrepair and, and there were uh, even plans to uh, just tear it down. And some people came in and saved it. And then since then, there's been three or four other owners. The present owners now are the only ones that have really welcomed anyone um, with paranormal groups to uh, come in and talk about. And they have a lot of different, a lot of different apparitions and stories there in the Belmont. Um, Abraham, who was a bellhop, he's an older black gentleman, and he spent his life um, very loyalty, loyally there at Belmont. And he was the head um, doorman. He was over all the Belmont, um, bellhops and all. But sometimes, if during the night you hear your doorknob rattle, he's just checking just to make sure everything's okay and that your door is locked. So that's one of the apparitions there. And his name is Abraham. Sophie? I wanted to say that uh, when Karen and I stayed there last, that was room A we stayed in. And during the night, well, first, you heard this during the day. We were really the only ones in there that had checked in our room. And down the hall, Karen heard someone say, get out, get out. And in the middle of the night, see, I sleep through all this stuff. <laughs> That's the way I am. I'm not, I'm not sensitive at all. But during the night, she heard a couple raps on the door. Yeah, I did about 1 o'clock at night, um, I heard two very hard raps on the door and then the next morning I was talking on the phone with a friend and during the conversation I heard someone go shh very loud and I mentioned it to my friend at the time so I can attest it is haunted the Belmont is haunted yeah and matter of fact she had told the we told the uh, owner that about the uh, those occurrences and he says uh she wasn't the first one to get shush in that room in that room so i was gonna ask you Mar margie didn't uh 
I thought, I don't know if I read in your book or somewhere else about that uh, Jimmy Durante and Fanny Grice had stayed at the Belmont. Um, that's probably what you read in the book in the lobby of the Belmont. You know, the book with okay. all the articles and things. I think you got that from there because I've read okay. it. Okay, okay, I don't remember. Okay, so yeah, so if you hear the rattling on the door, it's like we're okay, Bram. You just walk off and everything's fine. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, that was Abraham checking on us. I don't know. Well, and also on the cover of the book, The Apparitions of Abbeville, is the Wandering Widow. She has been seen um, in the on the basement level of the Belmont. Just she will, you will right. see her by, and she just dissipates before she gets to the wall. Cool. Yeah, Karen kind of fell for I know, when she was the, in first, there. the first time, I think it was October when we went in, uh, just as you go past the lobby, past the reception desk, through that doorway to the left, I could feel, I, I felt very strongly there was someone standing there. And that's the only time that happened with me at that spot. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so now, you guys, um, it's it's not just that you experience the hauntings. You you're all in one way or another a little sensitive to the paranormal. Is that correct? Karen is. I am. Me. I, the only experiences I've really had are olfactory smells. Smelling roses where there shouldn't be any roses. Smelling flowers. Smelling pipe tobacco. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. I've really. But Karen is an empath. So and she's and Clara audience. I I've heard her voices. Um, um, so my husband says that that's what I am. So <laughs> and we we've gone to places where, uh, for instance, this uh, walnut grove plantation here in the upstate in uh, near Spartanburg, uh, South Carolina. There was a raid there perpetrated by this bloody Bill Cunningham. Or he went in with a group of men, this is during the Revolutionary War, and killed a uh, captain of the American militia upstairs in the house and also tracked down two other soldiers that were running down the road and murdered them. And uh, she pretty much picked up that whole story before we were in told about it. She sensed it. So she's she's been in the same thing happened at a Talbot's Tavern in Archtown, Kentucky, where a murder had occurred upstairs in the, in the ballroom. She picked the spot where it happened. So, okay. Pretty good. <laughs> but me, I'm, I'm pretty dense when it comes to that stuff. Something has to really come up to me. I sleep through stuff. I don't hear it. <laughs> No. I, feel, I, I just do the ground work. Yeah, I understand. I feel you. <laughs> That'd be me most cases. He's a good researcher. He, he no, I like doing the research, right? I like researching the place. Well, that's fair, but the, the, the old factory stuff yeah, does count, though. I like doing. Yeah. So, so, yeah. And one was that uh, the most uh, prominent experience I had was in Gettysburg, actually taking a a ghost tour and midway through the tour about half the group was smelling cherry tobacco smoke which happened quite a lot with this particular uh tour guide 
her name was Molly. She had to have one of the hospitals for her. And uh, I was gonna say on on I wasn't brain that can speak. I did the, the Gettysburg tour about ten years ago, and I, I also came across that 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 cherry tobacco smell. So <laughs> it's it's Gettysburg is so active, not just yes. the night tours. But the whole thing is so right. active that being on the battlefield and, and and having people separate, you know, you're one, two, one, two, you're separated, and we all look over going, but there's more of us here now than there were on the tour bus. Yeah, just. <laughs> Well, and you know how, you know how Gettysburg, every place there seemed to have a story. Every time I walked mm -hmm. in a, a shop or a business, I would always ask, do you have anything strange happen to me? And they happen here and they go on for a half hour. Well, that's yep. kind of the way Abbeville is. That's awesome. So, so Marjorie, you're a bit of a sensitive too, right? My area where I live, uh, which is about 30 minutes from Abbeville, we're actually like the book of Bibleville. So, um, you know, a lot of people say psychic this, psychic that, and around here they that have negative connotations. So I just say I'm a messenger. <laughs> you can take yep. it from But I've um, I've seen and heard and experienced things. The first time I can remember is when I was in the um, second grade. So, um, but yeah, I have experiences that are unexplained, and I definitely believe that um, there is a spirit world. And um, but yeah, so I've had a lot of different experiences. What was your second grade experience, if you don't mind my asking? Well, um, we lived in an old house, an old Victorian house that had the pocket doors. It was huge, and it was split up into two apartments, and it was basically two houses, not just an apartment. And every day, um, when days of our lives would come on, um, my mom and my aunt who lived in the other side. My mom, dad, and, and our family lived in one side, and my aunt, uncle, and their son lived in the other side. And she would put us down for a nap, and I would say this lady with almost like a half body just go down the hall, you know. And um, I talked to my mom about it, and uh, she scooped me up and took me to my grandmother's. And, uh, you know, of course, I was raised in a devout Christian home. And there was a little lady that lived beside us, and her name was Miss Mappet. And they all came over and laid hands to pray. And said, you, you don't don't entertain any of that. Don't do this. That's all of the devils and all that. So they kind of kept me quiet until I was about 41, even though I still had experiences and everything. Um, but when I was 41 and all my children had graduated high school, um, if you will, come out of the psychic closet, you know, kind of mm -hmm. thing. And I uh, decided to be who I was created to be and, and to recognize this as a God-given gift. And um, so the experience that I had, I kept seeing that. And then I was in the second grade in the kids' class, and I kept seeing a little boy that nobody else could see there. And he kept telling me a storm was coming, a storm was coming. And I was like, okay. Well, a big tornado hit when I was in the second grade. And um, my babysitter came and picked us all up and took us to her house and I can remember seeing looking out the window and seeing two tornadoes go by and I saw that little boy several times several days even a, more than a week ahead of the storm and then uh, after the storm was over I never saw him again. Hmm. 
Okay. <laughs> Good. What, now, yeah, what's what's strange is that I, growing up in Chicago, growing up Catholic, big Catholic extended family, ghosts and the paranormal was just like part of our lives. We just, it was never looked upon as being something bad or, or uh, uh, demonic or anything like that. It was just, we talked about it all the time. Mm-hmm. And well, I think that's one of the misconceptions too, that every spirit is a demon. You know, it's not. Um, I, I honestly believe, you know, like I said in the spirit world, there are spirits that roam from the earth and all of them are not tortured and tormented and all of them are not evil and all of it's not blood, gut, gore and horror, you know, um, but, but yeah, this is the thing. I get so many people when I do, uh, when I speak at events and everything, they're like, I don't believe in any of that good stuff. But let me tell you what happens. So everybody's mm-hmm. got something, that, you know, everybody's got something that they can't explain. Okay. And so, um, like I said, I just decided to be who I was created to be. And it is a God-given talent. And I do nothing to try to help people with. Okay, good. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't believe until it happens to them. Yes, this, right. this is true. Speaking, yeah, speaking. to believe, but sometimes you have to believe. Definitely. Well, speaking of believing, Karen, what's your story? Oh, well, uh, it took me until I was 50 till I realized uh, I was an empath. Um, uh, I had a lot of uh, friends tell me that I was and I just I, I, I didn't I didn't realize everybody didn't feel the same way I did mm-hmm. um, I remember going to um, uh, uh, a conference in Pennsylvania and Michelle Ballinger had just given an energy class and I missed that um, there was another class at that time and I took it and I was walking down the hotel hallway and as she came towards me, I could feel her coming towards me. It was like a pressure. And it got stronger and stronger as she came towards me. And then as she walked away, I could feel it dissipate. Well, I thought, well, there must be something to this. And then uh, I remember when I was in, uh, it was when Kojak, the TV show, was on. And Telly Savalas, he was, I was from Ohio, and he was at the Ohio State Fair. And uh, he had a program at the grandstand, and I was sitting like in the second row. And as he walked uh, over the racetrack to the podium, I could feel him. I could feel this energy coming off this man. It was extremely powerful. And I thought, well, this is strange, but I thought everybody felt this way. Well, um, there was, if I sporadic, it's not constant. Uh, I've had some clients that will walk into my shop. I could, I could feel the pressure emanating off of them, but there was only one instance that I've ever felt a negative uh, person. Uh, I was um, back in uh, Columbus. I was going to a post office. It was winter. I was extremely heavy. I was almost 400 pounds, and uh, getting out of the car, there was a huge hump of ice and snow uh, in the parking lot, and to get over the hump, to get into the post office I, w- I I couldn't do it well the gentleman was walking down the sidewalk and I said sir would you mind if you just let me touch your hand and help me over this hump and as soon as I touched him I felt like 
it was so negative it was almost like touching death mm. and that's my negative person i've ever ever felt and that has stayed with me all my life wow. um, and like i said it, it's sporadic it's not constant i have heard voices um calling uh one time my husband um he had developed sleep apnea and we were in an apartment at a two-room apartment he was in the first room he had been watching tv and i was in the back room on the computer well while i was on the computer i heard this voice karen karen and i said david is there someone out front talking to you and here he had been asleep and i guess he was gasping and I think it was his mother calling me, but that voice was as clear as my voice is now. Now I've had that happen several times with my name called or conversations. Um, when I go into a place, historical place, like um, uh, was it Woolen Grove or yeah, whatever, Water Grove. there's a room uh, there that I guess had been a dining room or kitchen, something like that, and I can feel an elderly gentleman in the back. Oh, Brantonsville. Brantonsville, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, I can, we've gone so many places, I can confused. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, as we were walking by, I looked in and I could feel this old grumpy gentleman in the back and he's saying, what in the H are you doing in my house? Get out of here. And come to find out, I guess that was the builder of that um, house that we were in. But I thought I was Colonel Brant. Well, I, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I felt things like that. And it's just, uh, I, I enjoy going to haunted places. It doesn't scare me. It might startle me if something happens. But I'm one that is go, oh, that's neat. I want to go run to it. I want to get more. You know, that's I me. just enjoy the feel. <laughs> that's me. Just to, let, just to let you know, Brattonsville is where they filmed quite a bit of the movie The Patriot. Okay. Oh, okay. I love that movie. I like it. That's my. That's story. fine. <laughs> Other than that, I've been a dog groomer since I've been seventeen, and just two years ago I retired, and uh, um, that's what I did all my life. And just between us, I think both of us were pretty young when we got interested in ghost stories, and well, we didn't call it the paranormal back then; it was ghost stories. So. Mm -hmm. Back in the old days. <laughs> Yeah, you're only 21. Hi, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just like the rest of us. Oh, yeah. We, yeah. You know, Hans Holzer and uh, Lloyd Auerbach. And those guys were uh, people Peter I listened James. to. Yeah, Peter James. Mm -hmm. Ones I listened to and, and loved to read about. Irene Hughes. I don't know if she's that reputable anymore, but she was. Okay, so I understand from what you guys had, had sent me that you two actually met during a paranormal conference. Is that right? Well, no. We, well, we met. No, we met online in a, a chat room for an internet uh, paranormal show. It was Christy, radio show. Christy okay. People Warner's show. Um, I don't even remember the name of it. <laughs> but we had a chat. In chat and. Uh, uh, there was a contest she had, and I love contests. And uh, I had won. I had bought a ticket to Mid South, uh, 2008, and I just thought, well, I'm going to try for this contest test anyway. It won a ticket. So uh, uh, Christy was asking questions like, who is 
considered the godfather of the paranormal. Well, I Googled it, and up came John Sampas. And so that was number one, and that was correct. So each question Christy asked, I Googled it, and I got the answer right away. <laughs> so I just never figured that out. Anyway, uh, I, I won the ticket, and I, I thought, well, who can I give this to? So I went into Christy's chat room, and there was like eight or nine chatters, and I looked up. There's two gentlemen that uh, hadn't bought a ticket, and uh, I thought, well, I'm going to look up. This is at the time of MySpace. So I thought, I'm going to look up their profile. So I did that, and one was like a 29-year-old gentleman, and the other one, um, he was 49. And I looked at their bios, and the 49-year-old gentleman, which turned out to be David, he uh, was a live-in manager of a woman and children's shelter, and he had been a novice monk. He had never taken his final vows. So I thought, well, this guy is spiritual. He's uh, good ethics and everything like that. Are you I thought, sure we're wrong about that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, we got uh, to meet face-to-face -face at Mid-South. And... Um, as time went on, uh, we left that that uh, the uh, conference, went home, and I thought I was in Columbus, Ohio. He was in Iowa, and I thought, well, I'll never meet him again. Uh, we just chatted, and I think uh, one door closed and a window opened for me, and I was able to. Um, he had sent me, uh, I, I lost my home through foreclosure, and my family had all died, and I didn't have any relatives back in Columbus. He um, sent me some uh, links to jobs in Iowa, and I thought, okay. Well, then, a little while later, he sent me links to jobs at Cedar Rapids, and I thought, okay, what's going on? So I thought, well, my friends are all married, have kids, kind of distance because they you know dealing with their own families so i thought i could live anywhere so i picked up took a penske truck towed my car to cedar rapids lived there well after a few months he lost his job at the shelter it closed down mm -hmm. since he lived there he had where to live so i had a sofa in the front room and i had one bedroom and i said you're free to flop on the sofa you know and as time went on we got closer and closer in friendship, and there came a time that uh, he was on the computer computer in the bedroom, and, and I was in the front room, and I was getting so attached to him. <laughs> so I walked up to him, sitting at the computer, and I said, David, I don't think I can do this anymore. I'm falling in love with you. Aww. Well, Aww. he chose me, and he showed me. He had been in chat with Christy Hinkle Warner asking her should i ask karen to marry me uh david had asked christy uh when should i marry her and i looked at david and i i said well you know the answer <laughs> you know and so the married lived in cedar rapids and then um after a while we just couldn't take the weather anymore and we decided to look for another place to live and we looked at different states and uh, Greenville always popped up as one of the nicest places to live, cost of living and everything, South Carolina. So, came down here and we've been here, um, what? 2011. 
Oh, tell us about we had, that. Uh, uh, well, again, my husband was asleep. In no, I wasn't asleep. I was trying to smoke oh, the car. Oh, okay. Uh, well, it, it was probably just residual, but uh, 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 while we were in there, I kept hearing uh, footsteps going around uh, where the bed was. Uh, so I think that was pretty much it. But it happened several times. We had a cell sensor there. Uh, One of those cheap old uh, ghost sensors, little cheap thing that would light up with the red, yeah, EMF, uh, we had, we just had a glorified EMF. Yeah, stationary set, and it would go off every so often, and it would go slowly, faster and faster and faster, and slow, and dissipate. And then it happened several times, so... Um, yeah, it was, it was an anomaly, it was, it was strange. Whatever it was, I don't know. But uh, I mean, I did go around the room and try to find uh, where it was tripped, where wires was electrical and wires and everything. So, and I and I purposely put it in a spot that uh, it it didn't go off uh, on its own. So it was it was it was kind of interesting. And then. Uh, Oh, it's south. Okay. Yeah, when we were at Mid South, uh, we were in the hotel room, and my husband was in the bathroom, and I was looking towards the door, the front, uh, the room door, and um, I could I could see the handle go down, and I heard it go click, and you could look underneath the doorway, and you could see the light, and no one was standing there. We went there, and David was, oh, maybe two seconds at the most, away from the door. And I, you know, I told him to go look at the door. Open the door. No one was here. But I saw the handle go down. Yeah, we had a lot of weird stuff happen at that event, uh, at that hotel. I think it was, it wasn't the, oh, that was Gettysburg. That was the high um, I think it was the But one of the ladies, as a matter of fact, it was Christy again, Christy Pico Warner. She'd be walking down the halls there, and uh, there'd be knocks on the wall following her down the hall. <laughs> Excuse me. Hmm. He says, it was a, Christy Hinkle Warner? Yeah. Right. I went to high school with the Christy Hinkle, so I'm, <laughs> I'm wondering. <laughs> yeah, she, she lives in the uh, uh, Westerville, the, uh, the Westerville area. Yeah. I'll have to do some she, research. <laughs> She used to be, uh, she had her own team at one time, and then she kind of got out of it. And now she's looking to get back into it. Matter of oh. fact, she's supposed to come down to the conference in October. Yeah, she had uh, Haunting Existence was the name of her show. That's right. She's going to be one of our investigators to uh, lead people around at one of our sites we're going to investigate overnight. Cool. Oh, we, we, we're still in the process of of getting more sites to do. Uh, of course, we have the Belmont itself. We have uh, 
one restaurant in town, the Opera House and the Chamber of Commerce, uh, we can only do during the day because they just don't have the staff uh, for us to do nighttime uh, investigations. And we're still working on one other place and then uh, and, uh, one place is owned by a professor who teaches at Clemson University. Yeah, no one knows about the. I don't think many people know about this one site. We're, so, we're going to go stay overnight to investigate. But, yeah. um, uh, I don't think it's a place ever, anyone's ever gone into. No, they haven't. We know they haven't. And it was, uh, we caught, I can give the date of the house. It was built in 1791. It's the oldest or second oldest house in the Party party minutes. Place we're talking about. Yeah, well, yeah, probably. If if we get some stuff, we could she could include it in her uh, updated edition of her book. Right, Margie. Correct. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fair. Speaking of book, this is the book. There we go. Was, there we go. That's what I was referring to, the Wandering Widow. And I okay. know it looks backwards because of the camera, but that's the apparitions of Abbeville. You know, if people want to get a little information before they get there, they can do that. Um, and this is the first one. This one's more of a little tour guide for the ghost stories of Uptown Greenwood. Greenwood's about 12 miles from Abbeville. So those are the first two in a series of eight. Okay. They're both on my Amazon wish list at this point in time. Okay, good. <laughs> for, for those folks who... Um, oh, go ahead, David. I'm sorry. I was going to say, Margie, when are you going to finish the other... Six. Uh, working on it. Working on it. It's progress. No, 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 no. It, it's fine to ask me that because usually I, um, they're either published every year, or every other year, and, and one is due. So we're getting close. The Yay! books are wonderful. Right. They're fascinating. I urge people to buy them. So. Well, well I wasn't trying to do a shameless self-promotion. That's what I was trying to do. I was trying to get more people more information. Well, Margie, we're all about shameless self-promotion on this show, so so promote away. <laughs> that's that's why you're here. Since you said that, I also have a children's book. Go for it. Oh yeah, I saw that. I saw that when I was looking at the the, the Amazon site. I'm like, that looks really cool. What's the title of the book? Yeah, a fourteen-year-old girl. Um, uh, illustrated this for me. Can I? May I please? Okay. Illustrator, and she was four, she's 14, she's 16 now, but she was 14 years old when she um, illustrated that. Her name is Jordan Swartz, and she lives in North Carolina. That's awesome. Yeah, it is definitely. So, getting back to Martin's your, also starting a tour up in Abbeville. Yeah, I heard that you've actually because, through your books, you've actually become sort of a, a tour organizer, organizer, haven't you? Can say yeah, organizer. Well, I've, I've, I've worked in tourism for probably the last 12 years, and um, it's just something we don't have any tours established here, and we're so historic. So they can choose to do like uh, just a regular tour, or they can go on the haunted tour. So we'll, we'll have different things, and it should be starting up in May. I'm just waiting on all my insurance folks to come in, and I put a little teaser out there to see if there was any interest in. Matter of fact, the chamber has called me twice. This week and 
that um, people are wanting to buy tickets, you know. So there's a big, um, everybody's wanting to go on tours. And it's, uh, it's a walking tour right now, and it's uh, around the beautiful square in Abbeville. And uh, so it's a short walk, but lots of information, a little bit of history and a lot of history. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So, Marty, can you give us uh, kind of a mini tour here right now? Maybe give us a location and tell us about its history and, and its hauntings, perhaps? Um, well, we've talked about the Belmont. Mm -hmm. We've talked about the Abbeville Opera House. Um, and there's also a story that I had never heard until I started doing research with the book, um, that there is a huge black um, um, stallion that trots through town and kind of gallops through town. They don't know why, but people have seen it, and um, there's that one's still a mystery. So that was one that really caught my attention. And there's also a little, um, uh, uh, there's a story, not a little story, but there's a story about the old bank building, which is the yellow building on the square, which now houses the Chamber of Commerce. Um, but you go in there, and you can hear whistling, and uh, supposedly there's an older white gentleman that wears overalls, and a t-shirt um, underneath his overalls, a white t-shirt, and he whistles. And okay. uh, the hardest about Abbeville these tours, there's tunnels all up under the town. Um, and you'll learn about that and the beautiful architecture. Oh my goodness. When you come to Abbeville and, and you know, the square is all brick, uh, brick and sidewalk. And uh, so there's a story about the watering trough there. And uh, Trinity Church. It's a beautiful pink church. You know, a pink church is gorgeous. The architecture is just breathtaking. So always make sure your phone's charged and you have enough storage so you can take pictures when you come to Abbeville. There's also the Burke Start Mansion. We won't walk all the way down there because it's rather a long way away. Um, the McGowan House. Um, there's one house that I actually went on an investigation uh, about 10 or 12 years ago. Um, it's called the Painted Lady. It's one of probably a hundred. It's only only a hundred left in the United States. Uh, it's known as a steamboat house, and the reason is the staircases go on the outside of the house. Okay. Uh -huh. And uh, but yeah, we did an investigation there, and when we did the EVP session, and when we're going back and listening for the evidence, there were two ladies speaking French, and we were like, "What are they talking about?" Well, Justin Arsene, who was the owner at the time, and he's actually the innkeeper now at the Belmont. Um, he's one of my dear friends, and so talented, such a talented artist. But he um, he said, well, that makes sense. I said, what do you mean? Because I was just starting to learn about Abigail. He said, the French Huguenot found it And the okay. French ladies were speaking French. So well, we caught that on EDP. So that's something cool. that's really interesting as well. And Margie, that's a place we can get for the conference, right? Well, Justin doesn't own that anymore. If I can get it, I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, no, you're not, you're not, you're not kidding. <laughs> so, yeah, no, well, try. If I can find out who the owner is, we can definitely try. Yeah, that'd be great. But and then there's the Burke Stark Mansion, and that's where the papers were signed in that front room to end the Confederacy. There's also Secession Hill. Yeah. And so, it's a story. And it's a beautiful, beautiful town. And uh, one of the homes that was that are built, that was built there, um, was designed by the gentleman who designed the Washington Monument. So there's history. 
<laughs> and then uh, along uh, where the um, Abbeville County Museum there, the old uh, jail museum, yeah, Magazine Street, that was a mustering ground for the War of 1812. And on Magazine Street is also the house where they filmed Sleeping with the Enemy. What? Oh, Sleeping really? with the Enemy. Yeah. I don't know They, they filmed? Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Where, where, oh, where the husband came and found her, yeah. That's oh, that house really? is beautiful. Sorry. In the last couple of years, yeah. Not that oh. there's any haunting stories there, but I just thought that was the point of interest. Bless you, dear. Excuse me. Bless it. <laughs> Sorry, Adri's got these sonic sneezes, so <laughs> if she heard an eardrum, I apologize. Oh, I can't help it. My allergies are kicking no. my butt. Yep. Do you know anything about the Long Cane um, Massacre site? I do. I do. John C. Calhoun's grandmother was actually murdered um, in that massacre. Now, oh, I didn't sides, know that. Yeah, there's two sides to that story. Um, it's on the Greenwood McCormick um, County line, very close to Abbeville, though. Um, but apparently there were some settlers coming through, and they encroached on the Native American land. So if you're on the side of the Native Americans, you can say, hey, they were on my land, so they protected their land. On the other side, a lot of the colonial uh, settlers are, you know, the story is the savage, they were murdered by savages. So there's always three sides to every story. One side, the other side, and three. So whichever, you know, but anyway, but yeah, and it's a mass grave and, uh, the massacre site is actually about three miles from the burial, the mass grave. Um, but yeah, we did an investigation there with the Paranormal Society of Savannah just a couple months ago we were there. And um, they were getting some, some good evidence. And it's outside. It was not a lot of uh, contamination because it's out in the middle of, literally, in the middle of nowhere. Nowhere, when yep. Call, when somebody's trying to... <laughs> Take you down through there, and you're like, Oh my god, they're taking me out here to kill me. But, um, and they'll have to drive my body. But it's that deep in the woods, it really is. Um, oh, yeah. but we did the mass grave site where the markers are, and that's three miles from where the massacre actually happened. But we did get some evidence, and when we uh, started doing some Native American um, phrases, then the activity picked up even more. Well, Pat, then Patrick, Patrick said he was getting uh. He thought it was chanting. I think he did say he got chanting and drums, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's one of those places you don't want to depend on signs to get you there. You want to put it in your coordinates in your GPS. Yeah. And there's the last there's road. No yeah, no bathroom. <laughs> well, well, you can always go in the little creek there, I suppose. But the, well, yeah, the last that's turn. Yeah. That last turn, you you know, if you didn't have the GPS coordinates, you'd miss it. And it's one lane. God forbid there's anybody coming up the other way. And there's no place to turn off because both sides of the road are dug out to handle the water run off. And you have to cross two. Uh, they're not really rickety bridges, but they're wooden bridges. So it, it's it's. It's definitely, I was surprised. I don't know if I'd want to go out there at night. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, we got really good, really good evidence 
But um, I told them when I went down there, I said, well, and I've been, I've been down there several times over the years because I live close by. But um, never heard banjos, but if I do, I'm out of there. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Native American champions, okay, yeah, but banjos. Yeah, that would scare me, but the banjos. That's a whole other hunt. Oh, I heard yeah. her yeah. <laughs> hurts me so much. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so we, you know, we gotta have a little fun with it, you know. Yep. Um, yeah. But but it, it is way back in the woods. Do not go by yourself. Always let somebody know where you are because if you have a flat tire, um, you're there. Yeah, you're. Uh, you don't want to go in wet weather either. No. You know, when it's been raining. That makes yeah, sense. Well, you don't you don't know if the part of the road will be washed out or what or you can ever. get stuck in the mud yeah that's absolutely. right so um, yeah. but it is a very interesting place um they have the old marker and then they have a newer marker but john c calhoun's grandmother was um killed in that massacre mm. yeah well, we're going to try to have an overnight investigation there if the weather is good yeah. yeah. Uh, during the well, if someone has an SUV, they want to drive because I'm driving my car. <laughs> on well, they asked. Um, they asked me if I would do like a little walk through kind of thing and tell them what I felt and all this. And I was like, "Look, there's a Native American there." And I said, "And it's like he's coming toward us. And he's crawling." Well, they did. Um, what is that new piece of equipment um, where you see the little? That's all right. Yes. So they did that, and guess what we saw? Somebody mm -hmm. crawling. Oh. So, um, yes, but, but yeah. So, if you're sensitive and you go down there, you will pick up on something. You will feel something. Okay. So, but that's about. It. And it's called the Indian Massacre Site in McCormick County. Yeah. Lovely name. So, adding <laughs> list of places to go. Yep. Well, I mean, it was Cherokee Country. In theory, I have Cherokee in my, my heritage, but we're going to do a gene, a gene testing eventually to find that out. Because <laughs> yeah. I've got a little bit of everything, unfortunately. <laughs> well, actually, that's fortunately because we are the great melting pot. So you're just a, you're a, you're a smelt. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I am the world. I am the children. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. If you're in my family, you're Heinz 57. <laughs> I know that there's a little bit of almost everything in me. The, the gene testing we've done, you know, not gene testing, the, the genealogy we've done, we've come across it. Uh, I'm a reunion of the Gettys line for Gettysburg. I, uh, we had a, a Connor McLeod in our family. Not like the movie, but uh, <laughs> he did get lost at sea because he was sailing with somebody. So we have a lot, a lot mixed in. <laughs> Isn't it interesting how they use the stars to navigate with the ocean? Yes. How in the world did they do that? And how do they, you know, I know they had to do it scientifically. I'm just saying that I'm astonished and it amazes me. I, I wish I had that ability. I mean, I'm, I've, I freely admit that, that dyslexia is really tough. So if you have dyslexia and you're supposed to be navigating by the stars, how can you do it? I mean, I can't read music. I can barely read the, the you know patterns, graph patterns for things. Like no, no, no. Give me words and then let me ponder it for a day or two. Just, oh, yeah. More power to them. 
The struggle is real, isn't it, Trey? It is just a little bit. <laughs> so, I was gonna say, Abbeville's got a lot of great restaurants now too. Oh, that's yeah. what. That's what's most important in my life is food. So <laughs> say you say food, I'm sold. <laughs> Sounds and yummy. we have Maria's too. And, uh, you know, Maria's has a ghost story in the apparition of Matthew Dillard as well. Oh, yes. yeah. Well, the heck I'm with the ghosts. I'm coming for the food. That's just about every storefront in the, around the square. Well, you're, oh, you're, in, you're not the old, uh, um, not Corral, livery That's stable. Yeah, there's one. It's not um, the Dutch oven. What's the name of that one there? But it's delicious. It's been there forever and ever. And I just can't oh, the one, the one across from the uh, indigenous underground. The one beside the livery stable on that side. But yeah, so they've got delicious restaurants. They've got a beautiful little shop called um, Southern Succotash. It's at 123 Washington Street. And local artists, photographers, jewelry makers, they've got, it's like an artisan market. And um, y'all will love it. Love it, love it. Yeah, the, the Chamber's really done a good job uh, lately marketing the town. Yeah, Anna Legrone. As, as a tourist destination. Yeah, yeah, Anna. Yeah, she's the uh, new executive director, Anna Legrone. Yeah. And Austin Walker and Emily Bledsoe of the, the city and the opera house, um, they are just really setting the town on fire. Yeah, Anna, Anna in the chamber, well, especially Anna's been very supportive of us. Yeah. To get the conference together. She's phenomenal. We, uh, we'd like to go through some of the names of the people that are going to be speaking at the conference sure okay uh first off is keith age i don't know how many people know about keith age what do they call him the rock and roll paranormal yeah i met him in aiken at an event he's a phenomenal guy oh he, yeah. we can't say good enough about him he he has helped us tremendously getting speakers and he's just a He's given us good advice and great support with this. There's one uh, video that he did with the Booth Brothers, uh, Children of a Grave, it's probably my favorite one. Uh, Rick Hayes, he's a, a well-known psychic. Adrian Scoff is a well-known psychic. Isn't he awesome? I think he's done that. Uh, yeah. Uh, Anita 
Pauble, who's Native American. She was in one of the Booth Brothers. She's very movies. sensitive. She picked up on both conditions that my husband and I have. Just talking to her on the phone. Scott Tepperman, he was in what, the He's last been in movies and uh, Ghost Hunters. Ghost Hunters International, he was on that show. Uh, he's doing uh, Cruel Summer 2, um, um, an indie movie. He's a pretty, he's a pretty good actor. He's uh, kind of a um, comedic touch. Bishop James Long, exorcist and demonologist. Bill Summers <clears throat> and uh, Joe Johnson, Johnson and, of course, Mark Archery. Sounds like quite the lineup. Like I said, he'll be doing a gallery reading on uh, Saturday night. And who's doing the gallery reading? Rick Hayes. Rick Hayes. I just couldn't hear you. There was a problem with my audio. Well, I'm excited about the conference. I appreciate you guys including me. Yeah. Well, you've been a big help. Well, we appreciate all three of you being together. Not like we haven't hit a few stumbling blocks. <laughs> this is our first time trying to put anything together like this. Karen has done some. Yeah, I've been show chairman and, and uh, dog for shows. dog shows uh, and, and worked with them for many years. And um, we have a manual, an inch thick manual that AKC puts out. You have to do step by step. There's a lot of rules that it helps you and, and how every little thing you got to do. But when you get into doing a paranormal conference, it, it's just, it's totally different. You know, you, so Keith has really helped us with this and Marjorie's given us advice. So we really appreciate the both of them. And Marjorie's been our contact person in a lot of ways for Abbeville and that because uh, since she's a native southerner, that helps with uh, us Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> I still, the first, first, one of the first places we visited when we moved down here was the Confederate uh, Museum in Greenville. And as soon as I walked in, they asked, well, where are you guys from? I said, well, we moved down here from uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And he pulls out a Confederate green card. I still had that Confederate green card. <laughs> and, you know, I'm supposed to give up my Yankee ways and all of that. But, I, you know, I love all that. I, I eat boiled peanuts and collard greens. And I actually made, made shrimp and grits and uh, fried chicken livers. You know, so I like all the Southern foods. Well, you're a man of the people then, David. Northern by <laughs> Northerner by birth, but Southerner by the grace of God. Gotcha. Well, you're so, and, and I've heard you say y'all, so you're officially. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right, y'all. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. David, the first time he heard my voice, he thought I was from the deep south or something. Well, no, I thought you you had a bit of a southern look. Yeah, I did. Just when you're an empath, I I went to England for two weeks and um, on a vacation. And I came home speaking with an English accent, and I had it for about a month. I feel so, you on that. <laughs> yeah, when you tend to get in a certain area of the country, you, you pick up your dialect. 
uh, the cadence and, and the way they talk and, and get me amongst uh, different people. And if I'm there long enough, I start talking exactly like them. But I still have my Chicago accent. Hello, Governor. <laughs> I still have my Chicago accent, so. Well, I never picked up a Jersey accent, so I guess I'm lucky in that note. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we have a friend that uh, moved here from Jersey. He's, a, he's from New Jersey, and we won't hold it against you. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to tell me that I needed, I needed to cork, cork the windows. I said, cork? I, yep. I was. What do you talk about cork? I'm supposed to go out and find some cork. <laughs> he was trying to say cork. Right. Yep. Right. Uh, <laughs> well, the fort that I live near uh, at Starport, the 96th National Historic Site, a lot of people from New Jersey fought in the Revolutionary War, and we actually have George McDuffie Miller. Um, the other direction, about um, a half mile from my house, is where George McDuffie Miller is buried. And um, he was a high-ranking officer of the Revolutionary War. So we get a lot of visitors here from New Jersey. The processing of commercial information is complete. Back to the show. Okay, well, it's been a pleasure having all three of you on. Before you go, though, David and Karen, you want to promote, just one more time, promote the, uh, the conference? As far as when and where and yes, all that? it's going to Upstate Spirit Conference, October 7th through the 9th in Abbeville, South Carolina. Uh, speakers, again, will be Rick Hayes, Keith H., Scott Temperment, Bishop James Long, Margie Linnell, Adrian Skull, Bill Summers, Joe Johnson, Anita Talbull, and uh, Rick, like I said, Rick Hayes will be doing a gallery reading Saturday night. Overnight ghost investigations will be held both Friday and Saturday night. $50 for general admission. And uh, everybody, please visit the Upstate Spirit Conference Facebook page for more information and a link to the Eventbrite ticket sales site. Okay, very we good. We also have... Uh, a meet and greet Friday night. Uh, that will run about twenty dollars per person. Uh, also, Margie's going to be doing a presentation Friday night, and also there's a fifteen percent discount for uh, rooms at the Belmont. Although <laughs> I don't know, I think we've probably taken up half of them with just speakers <laughs> right now. But so. Uh, and we're, we're lining up, uh, we'll put links also on the page to other uh, places to stay in Abbeville. Okay, speaking of links, if you feel like you need one for on our page, feel free to post one. More than okay. happy to have yeah, it on. I can do that. Yep. And then Margie, would you like to plug your books? Sure. Uh, this is the Apparitions of Abbeville. This is what got all of this started. Um, you can get it on Amazon.com if, if you've got it with Prime. Um, there's there's no shipping and handling, and I will have plenty on hand at the conference. And I also have the ghost stories of Uptown Greenwood. And uh, Greenwood is about 12 miles from Abbeville. And I also have a children's book that has nothing to do with this. Because I'm a grandma now, and um, I love reading to my grandchildren. 
Um, and that is illustrated by Jordan's work. She was 14 when she um, illustrated that. But yeah, um, this Apparitions of Abbeville, got a lot of this started at the Belmont Inn in Abbeville, um, and it's reputedly haunted. I will be staying there for those two nights for the conference, even though I live close by, um, because every time I'm there, I have an experience, every time. And that's always different. Well, you'll have to let us know if you have another one. Awesome. And thank you. At least we see I'm sorry? Except someone took those good rooms. <laughs> someone already booked uh, rooms 10 and 26. So. I actually have some photos, too. One of them is of, um, um, it's not a full-body apparition. It's only half because the floors are not where they originally were. So you'll get some interesting pictures, possibly, too. I imagine so. Uh, if you feel like sharing those, please post them on our, on our group. Please, We'd love please. to see them. Along with, along with links to your books. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank Yeah, you. all that stuff. Like I said, we're, we're all about shameless self-promotion, so we encourage it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, David, Karen, Mar uh, Margie, it's been great having you guys on. Uh, hope to have you on again sometime, if that's all right with you. Absolutely. Oh, certainly. We appreciate you. And it was nice meeting you and Tracy. Yeah, oh, you as well. You too. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, she's here, here too, Adri. She's there too. She said no. I said stuff <laughs> quietly throughout the day. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to let you guys go. You guys have a good night, and we'll talk to you again soon, hopefully. Okay, happy Easter. Bye. 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 Okay. So, what did you guys think of that interview? That was awesome. I thought it was amazing. Uh -huh. We got lots of information. Uh -huh. And we all derailed, and it's okay, because I think it was still worth it. <laughs> well, I kind of think I lost control. But, you know, so long as everybody enjoyed it, that's the important thing. I don't know. What did you think I, about I, it? It was good. I couldn't hear Margie yes. very well. She was a little hard to hear. Um, Not, But she in the playback, she was, was fine to hear, but I couldn't hear her yeah, during and the And for those our listeners to the podcast, I will do what I can to try and boost the volume on that. Actually, she we can hear her we when can, you were playing We can't that. hear her, but she's she's kind of quiet. Just, you know, bear with it if it doesn't work out that way. She she has a lot to say. And it's worth listening and to. it is worth listening to, yep. Very much I, so. I am, I am so excited for, for their, their um, not convention, their, their, their conference? what are they calling it? Their conference. Upstate Square uh, Conference. Yeah, the conference, that's the mm -hmm. word, yeah, uh, that they're doing this year. And I'm hoping that it takes off so I can go next year because although I have plans to go overseas next, you know, in five years, I, I think I can plot out enough, hopefully, so I can go over and, and do the conference and visit some family while I'm in the area. Mm -hmm. But mostly I want to do the conference. <laughs> and then I'll go see Trent because, you know, family. Yeah. <laughs> family is important, but not as important as a spiritual conference. Well, you know, I, I, I've had a lot of time with this cousin, and so I look forward to seeing him because I haven't met the baby yet, who is no longer a baby, but that's okay. Another reason just to go is, you know, check there. it out and have fun. There you go. Okay, well, before we go any further, I did want to mention our, our podcast guest last week, John Yost. Um, and the reason why is because his interview has uh, – Done a lot for our show. Uh, 
the listenership that we normally receive during the podcast in a week, we managed to get in a single day from the upload of the podcast uh, for for our listeners. And then within a day or two, it just went exponentially. By the end of the week, our numbers were twice what they normally are. Yep. So, John, I appreciate that. And I'm looking forward to to speaking with you again when we do our, our little plan thing, which I'm not going to go into just yet. We do have something coming up in the works with John, which we're going to do after the premiere of his movie. Um, Yay! I don't know what it is, but yay! <laughs> well, let's just say it's going to involve him. We've got Aaron Montgomery back for this. Um, trying to get a few other people. Just kind of have them all grouped together and... and like I said, I'm not going to. I'm not, I'm not telling anything yet. So nothing's you, for sure yet. You might start to surmise just from the people I mentioned. <laughs> that but is, if you're regular listeners. If you're regular listeners. <laughs> well, anyway, um, let's not derail. <laughs> let's too just get. Late. I know it's always too late. But <laughs> a- Adri's got another story she wants to tell tonight for her short. You want to tell us about the story, dear? The story is called Ghosts of the Old House Woods. Um, and there's no author name, and it comes out of my weird Virginia book. Okay, let's get in. Let's get into it. <clears throat> Probably no place has as many ghost stories told about it as the old house woods. If even a fraction of the bizarre stories associated with this stand of pine woods and marshland near Chesapeake Bay are true then this is undoubtedly one of the most haunted places in the state. Old House Woods, which is located near the small crossroads town of Diggs in Matthews County, got its name from a wooden frame house that was built in the late 1700s. Once known as the Fanny Night House, the place was abandoned for many years and fell into ruin. It soon became known by the simple nickname of the Old House. There are said to be many reasons why the old house woods are haunted according to one legend the crew of a pirate ship came ashore here in the 1600s and buried their treasure somewhere deep in the woods they returned to the sea when they were finished but perished in a terrible storm before they could come back and claim their booty on dark nights mysterious figures have been seen digging feverishly in the woods their work lit by dim lanterns and many believe These are the ghosts of the pirates returned from the sea and looking for their treasure. A second possible reason for the myriad haunts may have also occurred in the latter part of the 17th century when Charles II of England considered coming to Virginia. The treasure meant to accompany him was somehow diverted to White's Creek, which is near Old House Woods. But before the treasure could be safely hidden, the king's men were attacked by a band of renegades, indentured servants. In their rush to escape, the bondmen took only part of the loot, planning to come back later for the rest. Unfortunately for them, their boat capsized during a storm, and all of them drowned. A storm may also count for one of the ghost stories of Old House Woods. The Storm Woman, she has been described as a wraith of a woman in a longish nightgown, her long, fair hair flying back from her shoulders. According to the oft-told story, she appears whenever dark clouds gather above this part of the bay, foretelling a coming gale. She moves across uh, among the trees, wailing loudly so that those who see her know that they must immediately take cover from the coming storm. 
Whether an intrepid ghost hunter believes any of these stories or none of them, it's hard to dismiss the more recent accounts of phantoms in these woods. One of the most celebrated first-person accounts came from a man named Jesse Hudgens, described as a respectable merchant of unquestioned integrity who ran a store in Matthew's courthouse in the 1920s. He told his story to a newspaper reporter in 1926 and swore to its authenticity. Hudgens was claimed who claimed that he had that he had seen ghosts in the old house woods at least a dozen times stated that he had seen his first when he was only 17. At the time, he was traveling through the woods at night in his buggy when he saw a light appear ahead of him. Moving along the road in the same direction that he was traveling, he had seen lights on the road before, lanterns carried by men, but this light was different. There was something unearthly about it, he later said. As Hudgens grew closer, he saw that the light was indeed carried by a man, but this was a man unlike any he had seen before. This man wore a suit of armor and carried a large musket, leaning against his shoulder as he moved along. He seemed to float, making no noise despite the bulky armor he wore. Hudgens' horse suddenly stopped in the road, froze in fear, not 20 yards away from the figure. As the buggy slid to a stop, the apparition turned and looked at him. Hudgens was was paralyzed with horror, for then he saw that it was not a man inside the suit of armor, but a skeleton. The skull, which seemed to be illuminated from within, grinned horribly at him and raised a sword, which Hudgens had not seen before. The, the specter creaked for, forward toward the stalled buggy in a menacing manner. With that, Hudgens fainted. When he came to, it was broad daylight, daylight and he was lying on his bed at home, where he had been brought after friends found him. They thought he had fallen asleep, but as Hudgens said, the best proof of this was not so... Was okay. Hold on. The best proof of this was not so was we could not even lead Tom the horse by the old house woods for months afterward, and to the to the day he died, whenever he approached the woods, he would tremble violently and cower. Okay, so well, the horse wouldn't go back there. That makes sense. Hudgens' tale was corroborated years later by a newspaper story that told of a young Richmond man who had car trouble late one night near the same stretch of road just outside Old Housewood as he was standing at the edge of the road. Leaning onto the hood of his automobile, he heard a voice behind him asked, Is this the King's Highway? I've lost my ship. According to the account, when the young man turned to look, he saw a skeleton in armor standing just a few feet away. Terrified, the man ran away and did not return to get his car until the following day. When he related the story, he knew nothing of the same figures being reported years earlier by Jesse Hudgens. And I think that's it. That is the end of the story. Thank you for that story, dear. Uh -huh. It was very nice. Spooky skeletons and armor. Thank you for picking it out for me because <laughs> I couldn't choose anything tonight. <laughs> uh, the spooky skeleton armor just kind of reminded me of something that Tracy had said earlier about a knight in shining armor. Yep. Mama don't take my coat of chrome away. Yep. Mama don't take my coat of chrome. <laughs> Mama don't take my coat of chrome. Mama don't take my coat of chrome away. <laughs> Thank you, Sean Greythorn, you evil man, you. Yes, it's all his fault. 
Well, that's going to do it for tonight, I think. Uh, I want to thank you, lovely ladies, for being on the show again with me. Put, okay. Putting up with my hijinks and Your hijinks. You know, whatever hijinks there were. <laughs> okay, low jinx. I'll call them that. How about that? I'm not worried about anything. Hi. All right. Well, the only thing to do, folks, is to thank you all for listening tonight. Hope you have a good night. Thank you. Come back again next week. Come back next week when we have a brand new episode. <laughs> Stay spooky and cue the gremlin. Boy, that was terrible. Yep. <laughs>